Paul, are you ready for this? Well, I hope that I am too. I'll tell you what, I'm just so proud this morning uh, to see what my grandson has done since they come to Greeley. And uh, I just praise the Lord that he has found his way down here, he and his family, and that they're doing a great work in getting Church Project going. And I'll tell you another thing I'm thankful for this morning. I'm thankful that the music team was really synced into what I have to share with you today because they were talking about some of the exact things that I want to share with you. But I need to pick your brain. I want you to hold up your hand if you think that, now I'm not going to ask you to say it, uh, if you think that you could quote the first four words of the Bible. Do you think you could? Good. All right, let's quote it together. In the beginning, God. You know, when I think of the term roller coaster, I know that there's going to be a lot of excitement going on. It's going to be a real thrill. What do you think of when you hear the word God? Do you get the same kind of reverberation in your own spirit that you get when you think about a roller coaster or when you think about ice cream? <laughs> well, anyway, that's some of the things that I want to share with you today. Um, I want to talk about God. And I really appreciate our music team because they set the ground for what I'm going to say. They were saying some of the same things that I want to share with you, so you're going to get a double dose today. Okay. When you talk about God, there are three things that I think most everyone understands. First of all, God is omnipotent. You know what that means? That means God is all-powerful. He can do anything he sets his mind to. Now, there's a counterpart to that. There's some things that God can't do. God can't lie. I don't know exactly how a spirit is made up, but God is spirit. But I do know that he can't lie. And so I know that everything that God tells me is the truth and I can believe it and I can plan my life around it. The next thing I know about God is uh, he's omniscient. There isn't anything God doesn't know. Now we have our little secrets we try to put back in the closet where nobody can see them. But God does. God sees, God knows everything that's going on in our lives. And then the third thing is that God is omnipresent. That means he's always everywhere all the time. Always everywhere all the time. And he lives in me. He lives in you. He lives in all of his children. And if you're a child of God, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. We read in Hebrews he never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He's always there. There's never a time when you can't call on God. 
sometimes you need to call on him just to thank him and praise him. Sometimes you got a burden you need some help with. But just remember that God is always there and always will be. Well, if you want to kind of follow along, I'm going to be teaching out of the 8th chapter of Romans today. And there's three more things besides those three that I mentioned initially that I want to share with you. And again, I thank our music team because they really set the stage for this. God always acts in our best interest. You remember that? <laughs> in Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and those who have been called according to his purpose. Now, if you listen closely to that, you realize that this promise is not for everyone. It's for those that love him and for those that are committed to his purpose. In other words, we come to realize that we're on the same team. We're seeking to accomplish the same goal. We have the same resource. It requires a special, intimate, trusting, obedient love relationship. That's what it takes to be uh, an heir of this kind of a promise. You know, we may not always understand um, how God works things out in our best interest. There's probably times in our life we say, God, what in the world are you doing? I, I, I can't grab a hold of this. I just don't know what's going on. And you know, we may never know what's going on too. But... I want to tell you about a man by the name of Joseph. You remember that Bible character? Joseph was a young lad. I think he was about 17, more or less. And his brothers didn't like him because he was too spiritual. So they sold him off to a bunch of travelers and they sold him off to Egypt where he was in prison for quite some time. And later on, because he was able to answer some of Pharaoh's questions that his own men couldn't answer, he was elevated to a position where eventually he became the ruler of Egypt. I want you to listen to what he has to say. In Genesis 15:20, he says, As for me... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve my people alive. Do you realize that because of God's intervention in his life in this particular way, a whole nation of people were saved who had been slaves? There's... Um, a lady by the name of Anita Dittman. She was a Jewish believer. And uh, in her book called Trapped in Hitler's Hell, she tells about how, how you survive a concentration camp. She talks about how she escaped. And you know one of the conclusions that she drew out of the whole experience? She said... We live in a Romans 8.28 world. 
We know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose and those who love him. Well, that's point number one. The second one is that God has the final say about everything. You know, we understand authority. Our kids understand authority from our parents. Our parents understand authority from our spiritual leaders. We all understand authority from the government. But do you realize that the greatest and highest authority in all creation is the Lord God himself? Now, we live in a country that doesn't acknowledge that and doesn't recognize it. Some things have been happening just this past week that breaks God's heart. But what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I feel so secure about that, don't you? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know what the answer is? No one. No one can be against us. We are involved in a cosmic war that's going on between God and Satan. And we can choose which side we want to be on. I think the problem is that until we become a little more mature, we sometimes, not even thinking about it, choose to be on the wrong side. But you know that God is the only one who can charge us as a sinner? And do you know that God is the only one who can forgive us of our sins? And do you know how he does it? He does it at that time when we commit our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ who bore all of our burdens for us. Do you ever, do you ever have a problem fighting with temptation? Well, if you, if you don't, come around sometime, I'll tell you how it works. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is a promise that I hang on to all the time. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not let you be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. Boy, that makes me feel confident in God, wouldn't it you? He isn't going to let any temptation be greater than what I can handle because he provides the Lord Jesus Christ to handle it for me. You know, in James, the first chapter, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And lust, when it is finished, brings forth sin, and sin, when it is complete, brings forth death. Uh, LSD. Lust, sin, death. You didn't think that was what LSD said for, did you? Okay. But anyway, only God is the one who is 
who has the power over life and death and eternity. You know, we think we, think we elect uh, the president to run our country. Not without God's permission. You know, God is responsible for every leader in every country in the whole world. You see, when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are declared just. That means just as if we'd never sinned. And the reason we're declared just is because Jesus took our sin on himself and he paid the penalty for it. He died for it. He died for our sins on the cross. He was buried in a tomb and he was there for three days. And then he rose from the dead and he offers us the benefit of a penalty that's already paid. All we got to do is receive it. The penalty is already paid. God loves us. Boy, our, our music team did a great job of expressing that today. But because God has declared us just, don't you ever let Satan or anyone else accuse you of something unjustly. Just don't do it. You know, some people try to put us under a curtain of guilt. Don't let them do it. God has the last say about it. And when you've put your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, you have been justified. And God removes our sin as far as east is from the west. Our sins and iniquities, he doesn't remember anymore. And I'm sure thankful for that. <laughs> Now, the last thing I want to share with you, nothing can keep God from loving his children. Nothing can keep God from loving everyone. It's just his nature. That's the way he is. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. That's in Romans 8, 38 and 39. You know, Jesus gave us a new commandment. The Jews had a problem back in the pre-Christian age because they were trying to be justified by keeping the laws. And there was plenty of them. But the problem was and nobody could keep them. And not until Jesus come along and showed us how life really can be lived successfully were they ever kept. But he gave us a new commandment which really sums up all of the commandments of the old covenant. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. 
This is the first commandment, and the second commandment is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than this. I want you to think for just a minute. What would be, what would the world be like if everyone lived like that? It's staggering, isn't it? And yet that's the way God designed it. You know, uh, there was a Garden of Eden that he put man and eventually Eve in. It was a perfect garden. He'd come down and visit with him personally. But all of a sudden, they did the one thing that causes us our greatest heartache. They disobeyed him. All he said, just one simple little command, just one. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. Well, they ate of it. They disobeyed. And when I think about ministering the gospel, I think that so much of the time that what I hear about uh, people being invited to salvation, you know, that they're not even told that they have to come back into obedience to God. And I think that's a tragedy because that's where the problem started in the first place when we wouldn't obey God. And that's where most of our problems originate today. What would it be like if everyone loved the Lord with their God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength and they loved their neighbors the way they loved themselves? Now, when the people heard these words back in Jesus' day, they should have realized that they couldn't be justified by keeping all the laws because they couldn't keep them. They should have realized that they were sinners. They should have realized that they needed a Savior because they had no resource within themselves by which they could be forgiven of those sins. And mankind's greatest need and the world's greatest power can only be met in Jesus. That's the only way. There's a solution to it. Joel Rosenberg, who is a Messianic Jew, in other words, a Jewish Christian, um, laid out some statistics that I thought were quite interesting. Do you know that in Iran... There are more than one million Shia Muslims who have turned to Jesus since 1979. That's in Iran. Did you know that in Pakistan there are more than two and a half million followers of Christ? Did you know that in Sudan there are more than five million Christians? Did you know that in Syria there are between four and 5,000 believers who have come to believe in Jesus since 1967? Do you know that in Saudi Arabia there are about 100,000 believers? And this is up from 1967. 
Why should we be surprised? Didn't Jesus say, I'm going to build my church? And he is. He's building it. And uh, I, just, I just really appreciate what he's doing uh, through the group that assembles here in, in Church Project. What's the secret? I don't know if there's any secret at all. You see, uh, the Muslims didn't believe that Jehovah God was any better than Allah until they met Jesus. But when they met Jesus, it was an entirely different concept that they had. Many Muslims had experienced despair and despondency and what they saw as an utter failure of Islamic governments and uh, societies. But they began to see that through Jesus Christ there could be peace, that there could be security, and that there could be meaning to life, and that Christ could really heal the ache in our hearts by taking away the sin that was calling those heartaches. And so when they looked at Jesus, they saw what God was really like, and there was no comparison to the God they had known previously. Do we love like God does? We ought to, hadn't we? Could you love someone who was trying to kill you? God does. If you went and left your spouse for another man, while living with the other man, you became pregnant. But God began to work in your heart and say, you need to go back to the man that you married. And so she gets up and takes her child and goes back home. Do you think her husband would have any hard time accepting her and the child? God doesn't. God doesn't. If you and uh, four other missionaries were going were to go down to uh, a little uh, group of Indians called the Aqua Indians in uh, Ecuador with the intent of ministering the gospel to them. And these five men no sooner got onto the island than the natives killed them. How would you like to make an effort to go down to those Indians with the gospel? Well, one of the missionary's wives, who was Elizabeth Elliot, went back and lived among those murderers with her child. And because of the life she lived and because of the message she spoke, she eventually led that whole tribe to faith in Jesus. Amen. God's still pretty active. Jesus is still building his church. How could this be? How could someone do something like that? 
You know, we don't, we don't have it in our natural selves to be able to act like that. That's just our, not our natural response. But when we are baptized into Christ, we become a new person. And God, according to Romans 5, 5, God pours out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. When we are baptized into Christ, we are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit all of a sudden becomes the very presence of God in our lives, enabling us to respond to life the way He wants us to. Well, as we grow and become more mature in our Christian walk, the more we can respond to life the way God wants us to. How you doing with your response? How you doing to keeping uh, God's commandments? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? Boy, if that wouldn't revolutionize the nation, I don't know what it would take. Where would you start? Well, I just conclude this message the best way I know how. The only way that I know how you need to start is to start with Jesus. in our hearts. We're dealing with things in our minds that maybe God has prompted in us. Uh, I would ask us right now, just, just close your Bibles, close your notes. Hold out your hands in front of you right now. Just close your eyes and say, God, I, I, I receive what it is you're speaking to me. God, in the beginning, you. And I haven't been living my life like that. It's been in the beginning, me. God, in the beginning, you. God, you, you love us. You've shown us how much you love us, and you love me personally. Would you please speak to my heart and speak to my mind right now? Show me how much you love me. Bring to mind things that I need to ask forgiveness of and just let go and trust you in. Because, God, I've gone my own way, and I'm sorry. What's God saying to you right now? Just have an intimate relationship, conversation with Him right now. For some of us, it's honestly, we don't know who God is. Maybe your response to God today is by saying, God, in the beginning, you, I trust that it's you. Please forgive me from just the way that I've chosen to live my life my way. God, I, I surrender control of my life to you today. I want to follow you. I want to love others the way that you loved people. God, I accept your love for me. For some of us, just the fact of the word love is really hitting us right now. Are we loving? 
And quite honestly, are you accepting the love that God's giving you? We think, God, you can never love me because I have done such and such and I'm so far from you and I'm so selfish. And God is sitting there saying, come home to me. I love you. I love you. It doesn't, know, it doesn't matter how far you've run from me. Come back. I love you. I forgive you. I just want to have a relationship with you. For some of us, we need to let go of that and accept his love today. In the beginning, God... I think a perfect way to conclude this is if we would just all stand, just continue in, in our hearts and our minds to, to worship God and just say, God, you love us. We accept that love. Over on the right side in the back, we have communion. Communion is, is nothing more or nothing less then taking a piece of bread that represents Jesus' body and, and how He hung on the cross for our sins and dipping it in the grape juice which represents His blood that He poured out on the cross for our sins so that our very sins, our choosing to go against God would be forgiven because of that sacrifice if we call on His name. For some of us, communion is how we can worship today. For some of us, it's tithing. It's giving back what God has, has given us just generously and joyfully. Saying, God, thank you for everything that you've given in our life. For some of us, on your, on your seat, there's a response card. Maybe there's something you want prayer over this next week or a way that God's working in your heart. Would you fill that out and put it over in the offering table as well? We can pray for you. For some of us, we're saying, no, I want prayer now. We have Jared up front that would love to pray with you. For some of us, it's just sitting in our seat and accepting this love. For some of us, it's standing up and holding our hands in the air and saying, God, you are holy. You are worthy. Thank you for your love. So how will you respond to his love today? I want to invite everyone to stand right now and we'll continue to worship God.